Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast. My name is Tally Rye and we are back with another Q&A session today. Thank you so much for sending your questions in. Um, we've got a couple of really good ones today. And if you would like your questions answered in future episodes, and if you have a train happy moment you would love to share, then please do email in to trainhappypodcast at gmail.com. So it should be worth saying that Today is going to be the final weekly Q&A episode of November, but we'll be doing monthly Q&A episodes after this, um, and I'll try and answer maybe a few more questions in those episodes. Uh, But we're going to stick with our two kind of question format today. And our first question um, is anonymous, and I think this is probably something that maybe a lot of us can resonate with. I know I did when I read it. Hi Tally, have you got any tips or advice for healing your relationship with food and fitness when the people around you still use a lot of diet culture talk and also still very much view you as, quote, the fit one? So as someone who definitely viewed themselves as the fit one and most certainly was viewed as the fit one by friends and family, um, I hope I can do my best to answer this for you. It's important to say, and I think I need to reiterate this maybe in every Q&A episode, diet culture is the norm. You know, diet culture is the standard. And it is very common for people to be engaging with diet culture in some way, having certain beliefs about food, weight, health, weight loss, dieting, etc. And speaking up against that and you know, going against the grain can be scary and can be intimidating. So I just want to acknowledge that. Um, And when it feels like you're the only one of the like immediate people around you who is focusing on healing their relationship with food and body and, you know, recovering from diet culture, it can feel a bit lonely. So here are some of my tips and I hope they give you um, give you some help and some and food for thought. So firstly, I really want you to encourage, I really want to encourage you to reflect on how food and exercise uh, may feel like it has strong ties to your identity. You mentioned that you that people view you as the fit one, and I just wonder, do you view yourself as the fit one? Little anecdote here: when I was at drama school, I developed the persona of being the fit one to stand out from other people, to kind of to set myself apart from my peers 
in a very competitive environment and you know to make myself feel special when uh it was hard to feel special and so I think a lot of us are maybe looking for a purpose looking for a meaning looking for something to belong to and so when we discover dieting especially dieting groups when we discover these communities online communities whether you know of uh, fitness communities and we finally feel like we're seen and we're heard and we belong um, that's very enticing and so we you know we start seeing ourselves as that being a strong part of our identity um it was the same when I personally I went through a period of being gluten-free and I became the gluten-free friend and you know lots of you know (laughs) it's funny when your like birthday cards are themed around a certain thing like a lot of my birthday cards would be themed around gluten-free or the gym or you know healthy food in some way so I really relate to that sense of feeling like food and exercise is your identity and how you change that within the context of wanting to recover from diet culture. So how do you see yourself and how do others see you? And think about why you see yourself in that way and why other people see you. This may be a really good journaling exercise. I always mention about journals, but I highly recommend just getting a notebook and a pen and just brain dumping this stuff down start to think like where did this sense of identity come from and then I want you to think who are you outside of healthy eating outside of the gym outside of dieting what are your other interests what are your other hobbies do you have any maybe you don't maybe for me speaking again of personal experience because it's the main one I know the gym was my hobby that was my passion, that was my interest. I did have others, but they certainly, you know, took a back seat. And as you're focusing on healing your relationship with food and wanting to, you know, to distance yourself maybe from that identity, that's what I took from your question as the quote, the fit one. um, Can you start exploring those other interests and hobbies again? Can you start to, I don't know, get involved in the other things you like doing I don't know whether that's I don't know art or um performing or it's uh reading I don't know anything where you feel like you know you have something that's that's just yours that isn't related to food or fitness or your body in some way I think it's a really healthy thing to do um and you know so you feel that you know you have other things but I think it's also important to know and I think a lot of us could do a separating this and especially those of us who work in fitness that those things are not should not be tied up in our self-esteem should not be tied up in our self-worth as who we are you know how we eat should not determine how worthy we feel as a person and how we exercise should not you know make or break whether we feel good enough the goal is because I'm not saying we all feel it right now but the goal is to feel to have a strong sense of self-worth 
and build a strong sense of self-esteem and side by, you know, next to it rather than in overlap, um, you may enjoy movement, you may enjoy food, you may enjoy certain things and your, you know, as an example, to explain this further, say you're, you're, you're a runner and your identity is running and what happens is when we strongly tie our identity and self-worth into running as an example say we get we break our leg we have an accident we break our leg and then we're bedridden we can't do anything and we feel lost and we feel confused and it's really a mentally really tough time because so much of what was part of who we are and our self-esteem and and you know the person we believed was um worthy and deserving was that of a runner um but I think it's important to think of running as something you do rather than something you are so that when we do encounter these obstacles of injury illness and those sorts of things we don't feel you know completely lost okay so another thing to consider are are a lot of your friendships based around and are they bonded over diet culture? You know, have you forged a lot of these friendships? Do you think people see you as, quote, the fit one because you made friends with them, say, at the gym or you um, you all were in a dieting group together or you've all, um, you know, pursued that together and that's been a, a big talking point and a big common ground that you've had? I think whilst in recovery from diet culture, whilst you're trying to distance yourself from this, it is important to maybe to just not, I'm not suggesting necessarily totally cutting off those friendships. That's a very personal decision. But uh, maybe keeping those kind of people at arm's length whilst you're healing those places, especially if you find that environment um triggering you know that that spending time with those people who you once only ever spoke about say like the keto diet with that you need to not be thinking about the keto diet and that spending time with them makes you think about it even more so is it worth and are you able to distance yourself from those people while you're healing and can you find and develop friendships and community where you know food and fitness and quote being the fit one isn't the common ground where you have people you know who support you no matter if you work out or not they don't care you know um and this may be this may be a community of people like us you know the audience of this podcast um who are trying to ditch diet culture trying to feel good about food and fitness you know move intuitively eat intuitively those people serve a huge purpose in supporting you. And so my kind of second tip, that was one big long tip, by the way. <laughs> my second tip is to find support through community, through your books, podcasts, social media accounts, you know, find people who strengthen your resolve and, inf- you know, give you more information and you can learn from so you kind of have a greater understanding of what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. And then also find people who are going to cheer you on along the way. And I know the Train Happy community 
are those people the train happy facebook group sorry my my, i record with earphones and my earphone keeps falling out my ear the train happy facebook community um is lovely for that if you leave a comment in there pop a comment in there there's always going to be people in there to hype you up and cheer you on and give advice and give support they're fantastic so I really recommend getting involved in those kind of communities as well and then finally think about boundaries and boundaries keep coming up in these Q&As and it's because we all need to do more in setting boundaries I think they're just a good healthy thing that we can do in so many aspects of our lives but particularly around you know diet talk and body talk so are you able to set boundaries with those people in your life um, who are still kind of tied up in the diet talk and you know whether that be you know saying something when it comes up in the conversation just saying like oh change the subject you know can we not necessarily bluntly change the subject but maybe like you change the subject by bringing up something else um personally I depending on my mood decide whether to engage or not and often I will just do that and you know not respond to the talk but change the subject with another line you know why don't we talk about something else or oh how did how was your weekend rather than talking about that um or you can or you can be honest and just say look I'm trying to seafood whether people make comments about food like I'm trying to I like I'm think about food as like not good or bad as it's really good for my mental health to think that way so you know that's what I'm doing that's setting a boundary and you know you can state like I'm trying to have a better relationship with food or fitness right now so can we talk about something else and for more on boundaries because Michelle Elman is the expert recommend listening to my previous episode with Michelle Elman and also her podcast both of which I've recommended before um but I'll pop those in the show notes as well so you can find those because they're brilliant so I hope that has helped you um have some ideas on how you can navigate all of this and I really appreciate you uh sending in your question and being really honest because I think uh, hopefully a lot of us can get takeaways from that On to question number two from Sophie. Hi Tally, I have been making an effort to eat and move more intuitively lately, but my problem is that I do want to lose weight and I can't let that go. I've gained quite quite a lot of weight over the last two years due to a binge eating disorder and I can feel physical discomfort in my body due to the extra weight. My knees hurt and I can't bend over. The majority of intuitive eating advice is aimed at cereal dieters, which I sort of am, but I can't find advice for binge eaters. How can I handle this? I'd really appreciate some advice on how to reconcile these two things. From Sophie. Thank you, Sophie, for sending that question in because I actually think this is a more common question than you may feel. I know that with all eating disorders, it can feel isolating and lonely and I think it can feel like it's just you and it's just your mindset but actually there are more people going through this than we realize so I really want to thank you for your question and so firstly I want to acknowledge and say it is absolutely natural and normal to want to lose weight even if you discovered intuitive eating even if you've heard of health every size even if you have um you know 
you're on board, you don't like diet culture. It's totally normal and natural to want that. You're not a bad person and I really don't want people to feel shame around this feeling because as I said in the first question, diet culture is the norm and we're living in a society where we're told that, you know, all, you know, everything to do with our health, you know, a lot of things to do with our mental health will be improved through weight loss. So it's absolutely understandable that that is a desire because, you know, we're told that it is the cure-all, you know, it's supposedly a panacea. However, we do know that that's not the case and to get more into depth with the kind of discussion around weight and health, highly recommend uh, this week's guest episode with Dr. Joshua Woolrich, which came out on Monday the week this is coming out so the previous episode uh, we really got into that there from a doctor's perspective which was I think really helpful for a lot of people um and then you know we kind of discuss in that episode and a a common figure that does come up is we do know that roughly um up to if not more than two-thirds of dieters tend to lose weight and regain it back and as you mentioned, there are lots of cereal dieters. Um, and that is because, you know, in theory, if diets did work, we would do one and then we'd lose the weight. We should be able to keep it off and it's fine. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And, uh, you know, as it stands, um, we have something called like the diet cycle, which is where we discover the diet we then restrict. We may lose weight initially. It's quite possible. Um, you know, often initially dieting is is successful in that sense. Um, but we, at some point, the diet becomes unsustainable. You know, it's difficult to maintain. Life happens, or you're just really hungry. And then, because we've gone from a restriction, many then go into. Um, could go into a binging territory whereby they're compensating for that restriction and then naturally you feel bad about that there's a lot of guilt and shame there and we think the way to resolve that is to then go on the diet again and we keep getting stuck in this vicious cycle thinking that the next diet we find will be the answer it'll be the magic it will be the cure I mean think about how many I just sometimes I just think like how long they've been talking about dieting for and how many diets there are out there um that surely by 2020 we would have figured it out by now and we're not there will I promise you come January there will be a whole new load of books out there with a pose someone else some PT has apparently solved the issue um no they haven't they're just repackaging up old ways that we know don't work So with intuitive eating, I want to acknowledge, because you said in your question that you've been making an effort to eat and move more intuitively. And that is awesome. I want to acknowledge that intuitive eating is a framework. It's made up of 10 principles. And it, it is the absence of dieting. And it is the absence of that. But there's a lot more to it than that. And I think 
there's a bit of a misconception around what intuitive eating is. I personally used to think that if I wasn't on a diet, if I wasn't tracking macros, if I wasn't counting calories, therefore I was eating intuitively. And I didn't realize that there were these 10 principles that were, you know, all about healing my relationship with food and really thinking about all the different angles of that, you know, all the different elements of that. As I mentioned last week in the q and I think it was last week, the first, the first uh, principle is rejecting the diet mentality. And you know, there are so many people who embark on an intuitive eating journey and they still want to lose weight. That's totally normal. And that's totally okay. Totally okay. And as Evelyn Triboli, one of the co-founders of intuitive eating, one of the dietitians behind the framework, um, often says, and you'll hear her say is, she really recommends that part of that first principle of rejecting the diet mentality is making the decision to put weight loss on the back burner. And what that means is that we can still hold it there and say, yes, that's still a desire. That is a desire. But that's not what this is going to focus on. Okay, this is going to focus on healing our relationship with food, on building the trust with our bodies, on reconnecting with ourselves. And that happens by, you know, challenging the rules we have around food, neutralizing food from good or bad. Um, it it, It happens by thinking about how we use, how food and emotions interact and overlap. And it also, one of the key parts is the aspect of unconditional permission to eat. Um, And so, you know, that's what the book Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch is a fantastic tool for. It's a thick, meaty book. It might feel like a lot to take on board, but they've really evolved and um, refined the intuitive eating approach. I think there's over 100 studies now that have used intuitive eating in um, and, you know, a lot of those studies are showing, you know, good, really good improvements in people's relationship with food and body image and movement. And it's just wonderful. So I think when we're thinking about intuitive eating and intuitive movement as well, that there are principles, you know, if you know my work, I've taken the principles of intuitive eating and we've kind of Um, reworded them and made them specific to movement but they still hold true and they still very much work hand in hand with intuitive eating and that is a like I said a a framework and there are guideposts there to help you along your journey so here's what I want to say you don't have to do it alone and an intuitive eating counselor or therapist so intuitive eating counselors are trained that's the name intuitive eating counselor and they can be in different disciplines so there are nutritionist or dietitian based intuitive eating counselors there are also therapist based um intuitive eating counselors you may have heard tiffany Rowe on this podcast before for example she's a therapist also um qualified as an intuitive eating counselor and they're also personal trainers as well um and in fact next week's episode um is with another brilliant uh eating disorder and disordered eating therapist um, specializing in intuitive eating. So I think you're going to love that episode because I personally, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think this answers a lot of your questions in that episode as well. 
So I think it's important, you know, if that is an opportunity to have someone help you, guide you through that process, then that is amazing. If that's not a financial reality for you that you're able to do that, there are workbooks and there are lots of resources. So, um, you know, whether it's episodes of this podcast or books, um, as well, such as Intuitive Eating or Just Eat It by Laura Thomas as well. And so that's the intuitive eating aspect of this. Um, And then I want to talk about the binge eating aspect of this. Uh, And I really want to just disclaimer, I'm not, you know, um, an eating disorders expert. I have a good level of knowledge, but I'm going to refer you on. But what we do know is that at its core, you know, there's layers to it, but at its core, binging is caused by restriction. And that can be a physical restriction of um, around food or a mental restriction around food. And so the work of intuitive eating is to really help both the physical and the mental restriction around food. So you get what we call food freedom. That's the goal. And if you listen to previous episodes with Lauren Cadillac, who is a personal trainer and a dietitian um, and, and did herself uh, suffer with binge eating disorder, she now works as an intuitive eating dietitian, helping people to find that food freedom. Um, and I will link that episode in the show notes for you because I think you will enjoy that. Um, and, and I think it's a good example of how um, intuitive eating approach can and there's lots of tools within intuitive eating that can really help with binge eating disorder um, and you know another cause of that restriction is the scarcity mindset and it's important to acknowledge that there may be a level of like a social economic reason that there may be a feeling of scarcity around food so whether that being brought up with a lack of food, a lack of feeling like there was food security. So like knowing you were going to get fed regularly, whether your um, caregivers or parents were able to feed you enough. Um, and that's where certain behaviors around food develop around that scarcity um, element as well. And so I think so many people think that the way to get the binging under control and the binge eating disorder under control is by, you know, cutting back, going on another diet, restriction, rules, um, ways to manage, ways to micromanage this. Because there's so, there's a lot of feelings of shame around any eating disorder. And I know particularly with binge eating, um, because you really can feel out of control. So I really, um, once again, I think intuitive eating can be a great way to overcome this, but understanding that element of restriction is important. Someone who I think talks about this brilliantly, and I've mentioned in previous Q&As, is Caroline Duna, who wrote the book, The Fuck It Diet. Um, she was a guest on this podcast earlier this year, so I highly recommend her episode, but I also, specifically for those who are struggling with binge eating, The Fuck It Diet may be a great read alongside the intuitive eating framework, because um, it's, I think they're really good companions and, and Caroline's just brilliant. 
And then finally on this question, I want to say that I think often we're giving weight loss too much credit. And I really want to drive home that we can help you uh, feel, you mentioned that you have pain in your knees and you're struggling with mobility at the moment. And we can work on your strength, fitness and mobility in the body you have right now, in the weight that you are right now. There's no prerequisite to experiencing the benefits of that regular movement and exercise. And so, you know, depending on where you're at, this is a very nuanced conversation and this is hard to cover all the nuance in these Q&As. But depending on where you are at as an individual, I mean, you know whether you need to rest from movement or whether you need to work on this. But, you know, we often say that, you know, like I said, we're giving weight loss all this credit when really... It may be the, you know, the, the acts of self-care that are much better. So that are, you know, that we're really, are, we're really reaping the benefits from. So you don't need to be on a diet to um, make sure you're getting good, like trying to get good quality sleep. You don't need to be on a diet to move your body. There are so many joyful ways to move your body. Um, and there are some wonderful trainers out there who would love to who love to work with um all sorts of people and without weight loss having to be a focus or an outcome or a measure of success similarly we can feed our bodies and nourish our bodies with food without there having to be an element of restriction or with weight loss having to be an outcome and that can help us feel more energized and um that can help us feel nourished um and so there are all these behaviors that we can do that can help us feel good and I think the diet culture lie is that weight loss has to be an outcome for us to feel those benefits but it's not true um and so I want to just drive that point home uh for everyone listening we can the the so the model in which I work and this is discussed with Dr. Joshua on the podcast in the weight and health episode we talk about the framework of health at every size and the idea of health at every size is that people of you know across the weight spectrum are given equal and fair and respectful healthcare treatment and that the idea that we can pursue health at every size is not to say that people are healthy at every size, common misconception of health at every size, that's not it at all. But the idea is that we can work to improve your physical and mental well-being at every size and we can make positive steps forward in that case. So whether that is, and one of those huge things is healing our relationships with food, it's also you know, learning to move our bodies as a form of self-care. It's about caring for our mental well-being through therapy and um, counselling in some way and and looking after mental health in that way. It's about uh, investing in our 
in who we are and 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 investing into us as individuals and it's also about you know like I say sleep you know prioritizing sleep and hydration and all those sorts of things um and so I think one of the underlying things as well I, I say with all these things is and we really get into this in Monday's episode with Jenna uh, De, De, uh Jenna Daku who's going to be on the next week's podcast is that underneath all this stuff there's an emotional layer to it all and we really need to work on that as well so whilst we can you know make strides forward in caring for our health and well-being without weight loss having to be a focus we need to put that same energy into our mental health into processing and dealing with our emotions and so a therapy counseling is fantastic journaling is another way to start that work um and there's some awesome resources out there and I will try and once again list some of those in the show notes but I feel like I have been chatting on I think we've covered it all thank you so much for listening to this week's Q&A now there will not be another Q&A episode next week but I'm hoping to do a Q&A Christmas special so if you have any questions you would like to ask specifically relating to Christmas and the kind of holiday festive period and please send them in to trainhappypodcast at gmail.com thank you so much for listening I will be in your ears next week (laughs) and uh, goodbye flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.